0: Tri-Cities, good morning. Again, welcome to our Sunday gathering. It is so good to be with you. My name is Justin Ray. Uh, My wife Bailey and I are newer faces here in this redeemed community of Jesus followers. As just a few months ago, uh, I came here to serve as your student pastor, to partner with parents in helping students discover joy in Jesus. And Lord willing, Bailey and I both look forward to the days and years ahead of living on mission together with you, Tri-Cities. It is humbling and I am grateful to now invite you to open with me to the book of First Peter. As we continue our journey through this epistle, we will be camping out in verses 9 through 11. To give context, Peter has been addressing christians he refers to as elect exiles that god has caused them to be born again to a living hope and that in being born again they don't live for the present world they live for the one to come a greater reality where christ will usher in his kingdom and restoratively reign in making all things new that is the day that peter writes reminding these elect exiles of. They've been dispersed all across what we know as modern-day Turkey due to suffering, persecution. And in their dispersion, Peter writes to encourage them to press on, to endure, to remain steadfast and continue. Because much like Jesus, the Christian follows his pattern. Suffering precedes glory. Glory. And the exiles are becoming familiar with that. And here we pick up in verse 9. Last week, Pastor Mike showed us from verse 7 that elect exiles live with the end in the mind. Live with the end in mind. As in verse 7, we're told the end of all things is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming. The return of Jesus is next. And that in light of that, the Christian... The elect exile gives themselves to soul readiness through faith and repentance. And they give themselves to fervent love within the church and its community. We continue with that big truth, elect exiles live with the end in mind as we remain in in this passage. And yet this morning we will see that as we live with the end in mind, elect exiles are to be hospitable. They're to use their gifts and they're to do everything to the glory of God. I invite you to read with me. In verse 9, Peter, under the inspiration and authority of the Holy Spirit, says this, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves in the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you through your Son, by the Spirit, and we sit under your word that you would be exalted among your people, that your word would bear fruit and water, seed, conforming us into the image of Christ. God, would everything Be to your glory. Would everything be to the exaltation of your name? For you alone are worthy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Elect exiles, live with the end in mind. Look at verse 9 with me as we see our first big idea. Peter writes to these Christians, saying, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. In light of the return of Jesus, elect exiles are to be hospitable. You see, at this time, Christians are the minority in this Greco-Roman world. They are outcast in society. And it was through the opening of homes that the church could gather That the church could come together to spur one another on, to make much of Jesus. That was all done through the hospitality and generosity of fellow brothers and sisters. It was also through the opening of homes and the hospitality that the mission of God advances. And even as persecution continues to increase amongst this minority, Christians were being robbed of all that they had, of all their possessions. They were isolated as they were driven from their homes to foreign countries and strange lands. The Christian and hospitality were necessary. As oftentimes it even came down to matters of life and death as the isolated Christian fleeing persecution Without anybody or anything, was left vulnerable. Hospitality was fundamental and necessary. Peter here is addressing the responsibility of a Christian to meet the needs of a brother or sister and do that generously. We see the target audience of the Christian hospitality as Peter says, one another, show hospitality to one another. One another is the target audience of Christian hospitality. One another may be strangers to you. They may be weird. They might be different. And yet, that one another consists of brothers and sisters in the family of God. One another may be strangers, but one another is family. And we are called to be hospitable even as we ourselves conduct our lives as sojourners and exiles. But what does it mean to be hospitable? What does that action look like? What are we, what are the elect exiles called to do? You see the root of the word here in, in the Greek, the root indicates a brotherly love followed by Stranger. So the idea is a brotherly love towards stranger. That is, in essence, what hospitality is. Love for stranger. This love is is expressed through charitable giving, through generosity of time and resources to satisfy the need of this stranger and yet the familiarity of of a family member. I would like to point out that within the Christian life, stranger danger is not really much of a sentiment within this community because the mission and glory of God are far too important to let divisions of strangeness remain. And so they seek to pursue the stranger in love and yet notice the attitude or posture of Christian hospitality when Peter says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That is, Peter's is calling the elect exiles not to complain of the cost that it may require of them to love the stranger, these travelers. Peter is encouraging them not to grumble about the inconvenience of meeting the needs of another. He is calling the Christian to show hospitality, to love stranger without grumbling. Grumbling is entirely inconsistent with the definition of hospitality itself. If the root of hospitality is love, then when we grumble against meeting the needs of another, we have not even shown or been faithful to show hospitality because we have not done it with love. Grumbling deprives hospitality of the love that we are called to show neighbor. So show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The Bible takes very seriously this practice of hospitality even as we see it listed among the qualifications of elders and overseers in 1 Timothy and Titus. But I want to invite you to consider the significance of hospitality in light of the coming kingdom of Christ in Matthew 25. We see a parable regarding the end to come. Let me read with you what, what this parable says. When the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. The end. That is the end we have in mind. That is the end that everything is moving towards. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to the one of the least of these brothers, not visit me then they also will answer saying lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you then he will answer to them saying truly i say to you as you did not do to one of the least of these you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. In light of the end to come, elect exiles are called to be hospitable because the love that we show for stranger is authenticating of our love first for Christ. Elect exiles are called to be hospitable. So in light of this text, let me say this. In a world of she-sheds and man-caves, we are tempted to withdraw and isolate ourselves. And yet I want, to, I want you to hear the words of Rosaria Butterfield when she says this. We must think of our homes as hospitals, embassies, and incubators. Not castles, fortresses, or museums. You see, in the homes of one another, the hurting is should find healing in the homes of one another the lonely should find gospel community and in the homes of one another the mission of god advances hospitality is necessary as the christian the elect exile lives with the end in mind we are called to be hospitable people In the following verse, Peter continues his theme of loving neighbor, of loving brother, sister, stranger, traveler, but he now focuses his shift to loving others through the exercising of spiritual gifts. I invite with you to look look at verse 10 with me. Peter, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's Varied grace. The return of Jesus calls elect exiles to use their gifts. Notice the text does not say, as some of you have received a gift, or a select few of you have received a gift, but it says, as each of you, indicating that all in Christ, who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, regenerated, are now gifted with an ability Every Jesus follower has received a spiritual gift. Christian, you have received a spiritual gift. Tom Schreiner defines the spiritual gifts as this. Spiritual gifts are abilities that God gives To his people now i'm sure that some of you may could have come up with that definition on your own and i'm sure that it leaves a lot of questions to answer but i simply want you to see that spiritual gifts are abilities that god gives to his people and if the holy spirit resides in you you have been given an ability that you did not have prior to your union with christ prior to you receiving the grace of god You could not accomplish or wield the power of this ability. And yet, upon faith and repentance and the Holy Spirit residing in the heart of the Christian, you have been given a gift, an ability from God. You received grace. And let me say this. The gift that you have been given is an ability to show grace. Spiritual gifts are the means through which the Christian exercises this ability of showing grace to one another, of dispensing grace as stewards of grace to one another. John Piper says this about the spiritual gifts. They are abilities, in agreement with Tom Schreiner, by which we receive the grace of God and disperse that grace to others. So in stewarding this gift and in using this gift it is primarily about extending grace for the building up of others. Jesus followers are gifted to serve one another. Look at first, first Corinthians 12. For the body does not consist of one members but of many. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Together, Here we have the, the church, the body of believers, portrayed as a body. Each having functions of operation given for a purpose. And yet they cannot function in isolation. But rather they compose together the body and fulfill the goal of the body. Each of us are, figuratively, compose the body Across the room, we have eyes, ears, feet, toes, things like that. We come together and comprise the body of Christ, and we each have a purpose of serving and functioning as that body. The Christian is indispensable to the body, and we use as the body our gifts to dispend grace. Peter here gives his readers a brief description of two classes of gifts when he says in verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, as one whoever serves as one who serves by strength that God supplies. In these two categories, Peter is showing these elect exiles that there are two primary classes of showing grace to others through your words and through your serving. It's no different for us here. We show grace to those around us through our words and in our actions of service. So those who have received speaking gifts by God's grace show his grace through their words. Those who have serving gifts show God's grace through their service. But these gifts are not given to puff up, to grow your ego, or even bring light on you. A good steward seeks the good of those around him and not his own. A good steward uses their gift in pursuit of the spiritual well-being of another. A good steward in pursuing the well-being of another is thus dependent upon the wisdom and strength that God supplies. The one who speaks speaks the oracles of God because it is the word of God that he has given in which we really come to know him. That is when we find grace in the words of God. Our words are very incapable in themselves of dispensing this grace. And yet when we speak the word that God has given us, it is then that those around us find grace and are built up in faith. Similarly, those who serve, serve in the strength that God supplies. Because in our own weakness, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so we rely upon his strength because we know that it is only His power that causes people to believe and repent of sin and grow in Christ-likeness. A good steward is dependent upon the wisdom and strength that God supplies. Extend grace through remaining utterly dependent upon Him as their source, knowing that apart from Him we can do nothing. Elect exiles use their gifts for the building up of the body and the glory of God because it is only God who saves and it is only God who causes the seeds to grow. Some of you know your gifts and are actively involved in the building up of one another. You're committed to serving one another through the exercise of your gifts, whether speaking or serving. And yet some of us are still lost as to what really this ability we have exactly is. Maybe you've taken a spiritual gifts test. I took one in fifth grade. I remember filling in the blank, strongly agree, strongly disagree, checking off boxes, trying to find my spiritual gift and even trying to help the Lord out along the way as I think this one's cool and that one's lame, but whatever. Let me challenge you. The question to ask is not, what is my gift? If you're really serious about that, then the proper question to ask is, how might I extend grace to others? The test that you have before you is not one to fill in the blank and check the box. The test that you have is, are you willing to commit yourself to serving in and through the local church? And in doing so, the Lord will be kind and happy to answer your prayer and showing grace to others as you find yourself amongst the body and then falling into line with where you are to function. The Lord will do that as you serve. He'll make that plain to you, maybe through through others affirming the gift in you or through the Lord just simply affirming that as you serve. But the test is not fill in the blank, the test is plug in, lean in, live on mission together, and the Lord will show you your spiritual gift and how you might serve. Lastly, as we look at verse 11, the latter half of it, Peter says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever amen the return of jesus calls elect exiles to do all to the glory of god this doxology here marks the end of a major passage He started his argument at at chapter 2, verse 11, when he says, conduct yourselves as sojourners and strangers. And now he's reminding these sojourners and strangers to do all to the glory of God. Peter has portrayed to his readers a life of honorable conduct that bears witness of Christ in a world that is not their home. And from chapter 2 onward, we have since seen this parsed out within the social order. Everything you do is... Is about the glory of God. All details of human affairs and conduct of life is a question of whether or not the elect exile is is chiefly concerned about bringing God glory. It is when the exile is chiefly concerned about the glory of God that he submits himself to government. It is when the wife is chiefly concerned about bringing glory to God that she submits to her husband. It is when the husband is chiefly concerned about the glory of God that he lives with his wife in an understanding and honorable way. It is when the Christian is primarily concerned for the glory of God that he endures all things and suffers all things for the name of Christ. Everything you do is about the glory of God. As the band comes up and we begin to close, look at this text. I think that naturally we like to read ourselves into it and presume well God is glorified through me and yet this text indicates something quite different in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ you see Christian your life began with the work of another it was work it was the work of christ on the cross suffering in your place bearing the wrath of god and rising from the dead that your life began he caused you to be born again to a living hope it was his work christian your life began with the work of another and this story continues day in and day out in your homes in your jobs wherever you find yourselves God continues to do that which you cannot do. Your insufficiency is continually told and the story of his sufficiency is always highlighted in the life of the Christian. And because he is the giver of the gift and the source of the strength and the reason why we are made alive and the reason why we can do anything that glorifies him, he gets the glory. That is why God is glorified through his son. Because it is only by the work of the Son that we can do anything that pleases Him. It is only by the work of the Son that we can do anything at all. Elect exiles live with the end in mind. The return of Jesus is next. He will make all things new. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more crying, no more death, no more sin. The dwelling place of God will be with His people and we will reign with Him. We live for that day. And by being consumed with that day, it is only then that we will make an impact in this life. It is only then that we will be hospitable. It is only then that we will use our gifts. And glorify God in all that we do. Every work you do to the glory of God will be a result of God's doing. Let's pray. Father, as we consider your word, as we consider our next steps, God, show us what it looks like to live for your glory. God, for the Christian here, teach us to be hospitable in light of your coming kingdom. Teach us to use our gifts in light of your coming kingdom, that we would build one another up and love one another earnestly. God, for the skeptic or the far off, God, in light of your coming kingdom, would they see that they have an invitation from the king to be found as a citizen of this kingdom, not an enemy, but a friend. Father, we await the day that you come and make all things new. But until then, may we give ourselves to hospitality and to using our gifts for the building up of the body that you would be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.